Welcome back to Weathering the Storm, a podcast where we strive to weather the storms of life by placing and sustaining an unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles, and I am very, very grateful that you have taken out some time from your schedule to spend with me today. And we are recording episode 17 of season three of Weathering the Storm on the Scattered Abroad Network. And today's episode is entitled, Weathering the Storm When You Doubt God's Presence. I'm looking forward to this study with you. I hope it's going to be helpful for you. Uh, certainly has helped me in, in my preparation for this episode. And again, my goal is to, of course, bring glory to God, but also help those who are listening uh, to gain encouragement and to gain strength from God's Word, to have a deeper faith, a deeper trust in Him, to be better equipped to weather the different storms that, that you may be facing in your life. Before we dive into this episode, I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to go and check out the Scattered Abroad Network. You can find our website, scatteredabroad.org. You can contact us via email at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page, a YouTube channel, and an Instagram page. And so we encourage you to go and check those out. And uh, just very, very thankful to be a part of this great network. Appreciate uh, your support, your prayers, and we're looking forward to. Uh, what we have in store for the upcoming months, and, and hopefully, Lord willing, the next year, a few years, as we strive to use this avenue of a podcast to the glory of God and to reach as many people with the gospel as possible. So again, I thank you for listening today. I thank you for tuning in this season and listening to this podcast and uh, sharing it with others, and, and I just am very, very humbled by this and very, very thankful uh, to be able to do this. And uh, again, all praise and glory and thanks. Be to God. The Bible teaches that God is omnipresent, that He is omniscient, and He is omnipotent. And when you think of those three words, they're really just big words to say He's everywhere, He knows everything, and He's all powerful. When you study the Bible, whether it be the Old Testament or the New, those three things, those three characteristics come out with God. He is all powerful. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. We find in the book of Genesis, of course, that he spoke this world into existence. Let there be light. There was light. The psalmist says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth, they were made. Psalm 33, 6. So God has great, great power. And it's incredible just to try to contemplate that, try to just think about how how. Very powerful he is. So he's he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. We know that, that God is omniscient, meaning he's all-knowing. He knows everything. Uh, Psalm 139 is a great text there to consider how he, he knows you when, you when you wake up in the morning. He knows when you lie down at night. He knew you while you were being knit in your mother's womb. He knows everything about you. He knows you better than you know yourself. We don't even know if there's going to be a tomorrow. But if there is, God's already there. And it's just incredible to, to understand and, and, and really think about and meditate on the fact that God knows everything. He knows your intention. He knows your heart. He knows your mind. He knows your next move before you even make it. And if your life is right with God, that's a wonderful blessing. But if it's not, that ought to be alarming. So he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. But then he's omnipresent. And we, we mention that because he's everywhere. The psalmist says, where can I go from your, from your presence? I can't escape it. 
Uh, my mind goes to the example of Jonah. You know, Jonah tried to outrun God. It didn't work, did it? It didn't matter how far he went away. You, you can't outrun God. And that's true for us, too. God is everywhere. He sees everything. But it's human nature. And at times, we make the mistake of asking the question, is God really there? Is God really there? Is He there for me? Now, you may not doubt that, you know, He's in heaven, that He's all-powerful, that He's all-knowing. But maybe in your life and the storm that you are facing at this time, the struggles that you are going through, maybe you say, where's God? Is He really here for me? You know, when somebody goes through a tragedy, when somebody uh, has a loss of a loved one, maybe something that similar to what I've experienced, you know, sometimes people say, well, where was God when this happened? You know, I've heard people say, where was God on, on 9-11? You know, or where was God on, on, on December 7, 1941? Well, God was where He's always been. <laughs> he, he's still there. He's in, 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 on His throne. He's in heaven. He's the one who's in control. He's all-powerful, as, we, as we've mentioned. But there are times, dark times, lonely times in our lives when we may be tempted to doubt God's presence. Is He really there? Today we want to go to the Old Testament. Of course, the Old Testament written for our learning, Romans 15.4. A, a great, great uh, material that we have in the Old Testament to go and to, to read and to learn and to study and to grow. It helps us so much in our understanding and appreciation of the New Testament to spend time in the Old. And so... I want to invite you to the book of Numbers. Now, I don't know how long it's been since you've read or, or studied the book of Numbers. I know that uh, when I was at the Memphis School of Preaching, I was privileged to sit at the feet of Brother Keith Moser, and Brother Moser did an incredible job teaching the book of Numbers uh, and the book of Deuteronomy. We had that back-to-back -back in there, and uh, I can remember handwriting my notes in Numbers and then going back in the evenings and typing them up. That way I could remember it better and transfer my notes, you know, from the paper to my Bible to uh, the computer. And I'm, I'm thankful that I have those notes as a, as a base to use, you know, and study on my own and, and to go back and, and just think about some of the things that were brought out. And so the book of Numbers, before I studied it seriously, as I did at Memphis, I didn't really appreciate what all was going on in this book. You know, in my mind, I thought, well, it's the book of Numbers, so it just has to deal with the numbering of the people. There's really not a lot that goes on. But when you take a closer look, there's a lot of different things that happen in this great book. A lot of great sermon material, for sure. Uh, but I, I want to encourage you to study the book of Numbers. You know, read through it, take down some notes, try to maybe jot down an outline that, as you go through, and then pick out a few points uh, from each chapter. And just kind of study and meditate on that, and it's incredible. It's a really, really great study. But the section that we want to think about today comes from uh, Numbers chapter 9 all the way down through uh, Numbers 14. Numbers 9 through Numbers 14. We're going to kind of walk through this text and, and build up to this moment when God's people doubted His presence. They doubted His power at times. And they kind of wanted things to go back to how they were before. They felt as if they could handle it on their own. And they doubted the presence of God. And so you and I, if we're tempted to do that, 
I hope that this this episode will help us to realize that we don't need to do that. We don't need to doubt God's presence because He is there for us. And after we look at this Old Testament example, I want to share a few New Testament passages that will hopefully help us to remember that God is there and we should never doubt His presence. So picking up in Numbers chapter 9, here we read about the cloud and the fire. And if you've studied your Bible, then you kind of know where I'm headed with this. Verse 16, so it was always the cloud covered it by day, the appearance of fire by night. That was uh, this theophany, if you will, that here's God, and He is leading His people. You know, you have uh, the cloud by day. You have uh, the tabernacle, of course, uh, that was set up. And when you read through the book of Numbers, you're going to find, you know, the different arrangements. And, of course, he speaks of the pattern uh, that the Lord gave unto Moses. And so reading through uh, reading through this this great chapter here in chapter 9, you find that wherever the cloud was taken up, you know, that's where the people would be. And so God was was guiding them. He was providing for them. Uh, the cloud was above the tabernacle for a few days. According to the commandment of the Lord, they were remaining camped. If the cloud got up and, and you know, it remained uh, and it moved, then you, you've got the people going with that. And so it, it was it was the command of God. And it was God's power and God's presence that was really guiding and supporting the people. And so keep that in mind. God is is with them. He's providing for them. Whether it's a cloud by day, the, the fire pillar of fire by night, whatever the case may be, he's with them. Now, when you come into chapter 10, you find there's a departure, and the children of Israel set out from the wilderness of Sinai on their journeys. And so the clouds settled down in the wilderness of Paran, and so they started out for the first time, according to the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. And so you have the children of, of course, you have the 12 children of Jacob, you have the 12 tribes, you have the people of these tribes setting up different camps, setting up different places. Uh, you have the tabernacle taken down, the sons of Gershon and Merari set out, and they carry the temple, or the tabernacle, rather. And so you have a lot of movement, and you've got God's people on the move, if you will. Now keep in mind, God is with them through all of this transition. But when you get into chapter 11, you really find the key, uh, the theme of the book of Numbers. If we wanted to just maybe put it in a sentence, the book of Numbers is really about the people complaining, murmuring and complaining. And so (laughs) I would say this, God's people murmur and complain. God is compassionate and long-suffering. I believe that would serve maybe as a a way to outline or, or to give a theme of the book of Numbers. But notice just a little bit of the language here, chapter 11. Now, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. The fire of the Lord burned among them, consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. The people cried out to Moses. When Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. Verse 4, Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense cravings. The children of Israel wept again and said, Listen to them, Who will give us meat to eat? Okay, so who's going to provide for us? Now keep in mind, these are the same uh, people, God's people, who knew that God was there, who knew that God was powerful. You go back even to the Red Sea, and you have Moses uh, delivering the people out of that. First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, they were baptized unto Moses. Here they are 
passing over, passing out of Egypt, and you have all the Egyptians going into the water and drowning, and you've got God's people coming out, passing through that Red Sea, passing through that trial, all those years of suffering and slavery, and now they're able to, to get out of that. And what do they do? Not too long afterwards, they're murmuring and they're complaining. And so here we are, they said, Who, who's going to give us something to eat? In other words, where's God? Is he going to provide for us? Where is he? We remember the fish we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, but now our whole being, listen to them, our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Now, the word manna means what is it? <laughs> Literally how it's defined. But who's the one who provided that? Well, it was God. You know, God's presence was with them. He is providing for them. So then you continue in that chapter, and Moses essentially says, listen, this is too much for me. And so we have the 70 elders that God says, listen, I'm going to make sure uh, that I'm going to come down. I'm going to talk with you. I'm going to take of the spirit that is upon you and put the same upon them. They shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. And so you see how Moses, the, the people and their mentality and their complaining is starting to wear on him a little bit. Notice in verse 20, I'm in chapter 11. Why did we ever come out of Egypt? <laughs> they were enslaved in Egypt. And here they are saying, why do we ever have to come out? Can't we just go back? At least there we knew that, you know, we were protected and we had food and things like that. We see their ingratitude, but we see their doubt. They are doubting God's presence. I love how the Lord responds, verse 23. The Lord said to Moses, has the Lord's arm been shortened? Wow. Has the Lord's arm been shortened? They're doubting if, if God's really there, if he's able to do anything. What a horrible place to be spiritually, uh, to think that way. And so let's, let's move on then to chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13 is one of my favorite chapters in the Old Testament because we're going to see a, a great example from two men. Now, here we read about God wanting spies to be sent into the land of Canaan. So we find there in verse 2. And so he says, Send men to spy the land of Canaan, which I am given to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. So again, you get the twelve tribes, and you're going to take one man out of each tribe. And if I were to ask you, how many of those individuals can you name? I believe you'd be able to give me at least two. And there's a reason why we remember their names. And two of the twelve that went out were Joshua and Caleb. Uh, when you continue reading through this context, you understand why you know, those are the two most important ones because of what they did and what they said when they came back. But let's think about this for a moment. Moses tells them to go and spot the land of Canaan. He says, you go and you be of good courage. And you go and you give us a report. Let us know what, what, what happened. So picking up in verse 26 of Numbers 13. They departed and came back to Moses and Aaron, all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation showed them the fruit of the land. So they had been, they found this fruit, these clusters of grapes. They wanted to come back and discuss it. Verse 27, they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. 
Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. What do you hear in that? Well, it goes back to the complaining, doesn't it? You know, here they are. That they they've left. We have God providing. God's presence is is there. He's with them. We have Him leading them. The cloud, the the, the fire. We have Him providing manna for them, and yet still, they're doubting His presence. They're doubting His power. And so they said, you know, we did go, in the land. Oh, it's great. The problem is the people there are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. In other words, uh, we can't do it. We'll be defeated if we try to do that. What were they missing? What were they doubting? They were doubting God's presence. They were doubting God's power. I love what Caleb said. Verse 30. Then Caleb quieted or stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Now, when he said this, the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. What are they missing? What are they forgetting? What are they doubting? They're doubting God's presence and God's power. They said, we cannot do it. We are not able to go up against them. Verse 33 we saw the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. The problem's too big. We are too small. We don't have the power. And in their minds, God isn't with us. We're on our own out here. We're, we've been abandoned. In verse, verse 2 of chapter 14, as we move on into that, you see the congregation lifting up their voices and crying. The people wept that night. All the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? What is their misunderstanding? <laughs> you see, God is for them. They are God's people. God is with them. And yet, in their mind, he's not with us. He's, he brought us out here to die. Wouldn't it have been better if we could have just stayed in Egypt? You see their misunderstanding. And if we're not careful, we'll look at them and say, how could they be like that? How could they complain so much? How could they doubt so much? But then we have to look in the mirror and say, do we not do the same thing sometimes? Do we not complain? Do we not doubt God's presence at times? It makes you think. But then you have Joshua and Caleb, again, the two who, you know, who rose up to the occasion. And it, they spoke to the congregation. They said, the land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, that which flows of milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection, listen to him here. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. 
There's the key. They were leaving Egypt. They were going into the wilderness. They're facing some adversity. They're complaining. They're confused. And they're doubting the presence and power of God. What was the solution to their problem as they're weathering this storm? They needed to remember that God was on their side. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Friends, sometimes what we do is we focus on the giants more than God. We focus on our problems instead of God who provides a solution to our problems. We try to navigate through the storms of life. We try to handle everything on our own. We see only the obstacles. We see only the problems. We see our inability. And what we need to do when we doubt God's presence, when we doubt uh, His power, when we doubt His care for us, we need to slow down and remember these words from Caleb and Joshua to the people. The Lord is with us. Do not fear. The Lord is going to be with us. He wants us to be successful. God wants you to be successful. He wants you to be in heaven. And He has provided everything to make that possible for you if you will meet the conditions. I mean, look what He gave, look what he gave us. He gave us his, his, the very best that He could. He gave us His only begotten Son. He's given us His Word. Everything that pertains to life and to godliness is found right here in this Bible. We can read it. We can study it. We can obey it. We can live out the life that God would have us to live. See, God is with us. And every time we open up His Word, that's how He communicates to us. So when the storms of life come our way, let's make sure that we are not doubting God's presence. I mentioned to you, we think about a few other passages that remind us that God is always with us. The first one that comes to mind is Psalm 46. If God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble, therefore we will not fear. We need to be still and know that God is there for us, Psalm 46.10. And then verses 7 and 11, we have the same statement that is made. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Never forget and never doubt God's presence. In the New Testament update, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, the Lord is our helper. What shall we fear? What can man do unto us? Because the Lord has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Dear friend, you may be going through a terrible trial right now. You may be going through a storm And you may be throwing your hands up saying, where's God? Where is he in all of this? Remember that he is always there. God is always present. We need to do our part to seek out to him. You do so through reading and studying his word. You do so through the avenue of prayer. And as the psalmist said, let's be still and know that God is there for us. Let's remember the example of God's people here in the wilderness and and their doubt and their focus, their perspective was all wrong. What they needed to do was to remember that the Lord was with them and he would be with them and bring them the victory. Dear friends, he can do the same for us. When you find yourself doubting God's presence, remember that he is actually there for you. Question is, will we be there 
for him. I hope and pray that this episode has been helpful. I hope that if you find yourself in moments of doubt, that you will uh, approach it the right way. And just uh, remember the, the great promises that we have from God and His Word. That He's with us. He'll always be with us. He'll never leave us. Let's make sure we never leave Him. Again, I thank you so much. May God bless you. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, And please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.